Hi friends, welcome to the Partnership Podcast, exploring gospel partnership and generosity in the Bible, alongside stories of support raising from around our fellowship. We pray you'll be encouraged by it. Hi everyone, and welcome to our ninth episode of season two of the Partnership Podcast. And thanks, Phil, for joining me again today. You're welcome, Kat. Wonderful. Today we're talking about 3 John 1 to 8 within the context of the broader letters of 2 John and 3 John, um, and 3 John particularly being the elder's letter to Gaius. So let's pray together before Phil reads that for us. Father, we do thank you so much for the fellowship that you give us with other believers, and we pray as we listen today that you'd be growing us in faithfulness in truth and love, being co-workers with the truth and showing your love to you and to your people and especially those who work for the name of Jesus. In his name, amen. Amen. Okay, reading 3 John and I'm going to read only half of it. I'll read verses 1 to 8. 3 John 1 to 8. The Elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honours God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. Great. Mm. So sometimes when I've read this passage with people, uh, it's been tricky to kind of work out what's going on here. Mm. So I think just good to start by identifying the letter is written by the elder or usually we talk about him as John mm-hmm. um, or we know him as John uh, to the his friend Gaius and what seems to have happened is that a group of workers who have gone out in the name of Jesus to do gospel ministry work mm-hmm. um, who are known to John have come to Gaius and to his church uh, and Gaius they were strangers before that but what they know is that they all know Jesus Mm. Uh, and Gaius and his friends have loved them and welcomed Mm. them. Um, And John is encouraging Gaius to send them on uh, in a manner worthy of God. Does that sound like how you've understood the passage? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's right. Yeah. These itinerant, um, yeah. Preachers, ministers, I guess what we would call today mission workers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great. And I think uh, we've talked, you and I, about the fact that this is so clearly a passage about financial Mm. support and it's kind of skewed a bit in the English, unfortunately. But that word in verse 6, you you will do well to send them on in a manner worthy of God. Um, That sending on, or I think in your translation it said assist. Is that right? Uh, No, I've got... Sending on as well, but yes. Uh, Sending on. It's sometimes translated assist as well. Yes. But that word is actually propempo, which we've discussed before. Um, And when um, 
John Stott says in uh, his com- one of his commentaries that it, it's almost a technical term mm. in the New Testament for helping missionaries on their way and that it undoubtedly meant more than good wishes and a valedictory mm. prayer. In most cases, it also involved supplying them with provisions and money and sometimes providing them as well with an escort to accompany them at least part of the way. And so he says the dictionary definition of propempo is to help on one's journey with food, money, by arranging for companion, means of travel, mm. etc. So here it's very clearly saying, yes, love them, welcome them, all of, I'm sure, all mm. of the kind of um, non-material ways that that means, but also a very clear, they might have needs for their journey. Yep. And so when you send them on, actually, can you assist them with their material needs because they're doing this for the sake of Christ? Yeah, Absolutely. It's interesting how that that word, because we we had talked about it earlier, I think, when we were looking at the end of Romans, how like Paul used it many times, um, yeah, talking about the churches uh, practically sending him on with financial contributions or carrying the financial contributions onto others, and so now John, um, another apostle, is talking about it. It's quite a important word that's in the background uh, right across the New Testament, which is quite fascinating, really. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and because it's translated in so many different ways, we just don't actually see it as a New Testament concept. Mm. But I think this concept of sending missionaries on, um, yes. sending gospel workers on is um, is there. Yeah, and yeah. I think also in our modern context, the idea of hospitality works <laughs> is just not picked up as much. So it's all the more important that we kind of zoom in and have a look at it. Well, I think then you see that theme of hospitality right throughout 2 and 3 John where you see this welcome, this concept of welcoming Mm. the message and welcoming the messenger is really tightly linked. And a sense that um, if you welcome a messenger, a worker, uh, you're welcoming their teaching and you're also participating in that teaching. Uh, Mm. And I think particularly in a culture where it's not such a cash economy, like we we do everything in terms of transfers of money, um, but I think then... far more actually to welcome a, or to provide for the needs of a gospel worker might be to just provide them with a, a bed on the way or some food while mm. they're working in a town. Um, and so even back in 2 John, you see uh, John strongly encouraging this church not to receive into the house in verse 10 and 11, not to receive into the house or to welcome anyone who comes to you and does not bring this teaching, a faithful teaching, um, for to welcome is to participate in the evil deeds of such a person. And I think you see that concept also in 3 John, that to welcome in verse 8, that you we should w- support people like this because we become co-workers with the truth in doing it. And I think then, you know, it goes on to even talk about diatrophies um, in 3 John verse 10, that one of the issues mm-hmm. with diatrophy is that he refuses to welcome these friends and prevents mm. those who want to do so and expels them from the church. So this question of who do you welcome, who do you offer material mm. support to is a huge concern of the letters um, and such a, like, that's really strong language to talk about. Even to offer someone a meal or to offer them a room in your house mm. is to welcome them um, and to participate in their work. Mm. And I think you see yes. that back in... Um, Matthew 10, where Jesus is sending out the disciples yes. into the villages. Yes. And that, you know, if people won't welcome them, it's, you know, almost a curse be on their heads. Um, 
Mm. But there's such a sense in welcoming the message and welcoming the messenger are so linked. Um, which is really interesting to think about in our context because I think we sometimes think, yes, I really love that person's message, but I'm not supporting their ministry. Um, so we've we've detached it a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I had in mind as well exactly Jesus sending out his disciples and that participation and it's quite clear and it's interesting it's both positive here in 3 John and then 2 John it's the negative um you know 2 John 11 if you welcome them um meaning the false teachers uh who are traveling around then you're sharing in their work like it's yeah it's a strong connection there which yeah it's so important Mm. yeah one of the other things that I think that's really important about this passage for us is that it's one of the closest parallels to our ministry. Lots of the mm. other examples of yes. generosity and people asking for money in um, other places is for the poor or like for the famine relief, that kind of thing. There's still a fellowship mm. ministry element to it. But here it's just um, particularly when we go into churches who we don't know or the only thing they know about us mm. is that we are coming in the name of Jesus, um, just to, that it's all right to be asking strangers because they're not strangers to Jesus, actually. <laughs> they're his people as well. Yes. And we have these, we're part of the same fellowship, even if we haven't yet met each other in person. Um, and doing that for the sake of the name more than just for the sake of the poor or for the sake of um, you know people in famine or need like that yeah and what's fascinating and i wholeheartedly agree um i've actually yeah used this many times talking about partnership um at an individual level Mm. is that what you're saying in verse seven uh, where it talks about it's going out for the sake of the name it's yeah a very clear depiction of those who are in this itinerant or parachurch or um Christian ministry going out in partnership. And it's, on one hand, the obligation for financial help isn't from, here it says, pagans or Gentiles, meaning unbelievers. Um, but verse 8, it's like we ought. It's a very strong Isn't it? Uh, responsibility. Yeah. yeah, it's an obligation, almost like a debt that we owe, that every believer must be financially supporting those who are going out um, in the sake of the name, the name of Jesus, going out to do these ministries. This is like a very clear statement of working together for the truth, financially um, supporting yeah, yeah. Uh, this sort of ministry. Yeah, and I think that is, that comes out in lots of the other places in the New Testament as well, so in Romans and 1 Corinthians, you see that sense, mm. that same word of the obligation or they owe it or they ought to do this. Um, and I think we probably don't stress that very much in our churches or our teaching or even our teaching with graduates, um, trying to instill in ourselves and in each other um, this obligation that we have. And I think it's a funny thing because I think Christian giving always needs to be voluntary and freely chosen. Mm. And throughout the Old yes. Testament, when people are giving, you see um, such a joy and willingness to give. They're not giving out of compulsion. And yet, um, yeah, I think there's this element of maybe like the debt to love, like you need to love people and you mm. need to choose to love people. 
Yes. Yeah. And I think here it's tied up with that really deep yes. love. Like there's such a sense of joy and love. Like what a great, beautiful thing this is. This is not a hard-pressed duty that you could resign yourself mm. to. This is actually... Um, you know, it's bringing incredible joy to John as he hears about the faithfulness and the love. In fact, he has no greater joy than to see this, the, the practical love yes. being shown. And he knows that his children are walking in the truth because they're showing this love. Um, yes. Yeah, and it's, it's just such a beautiful thing. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing how... This one individual, Gaius, is just having this ripple out effect. Mm. It, you can, yeah, through this kind of partnership of practical love of finances, it's it's kind of that love going out, and they're going out to to bless others, um, doing itinerant ministry, uh, preaching, uh, ministering, and then they report back to the church that sent them as well uh, to the elder John, and then. His rejoicing and love is just such a beautiful picture of partnership. Mm. Um, and it's, it is connected. Um, yeah, it's amazing how like that financial aspect is so embedded in this. Yes, yes. And I think we often just don't have eyes to see how often it's spoken about and the priority that it's sometimes given in the New Testament um, oh, and the Old Testament provision for gospel, for the work, temple workers and the whole system. Um, yeah. I think probably one of the other similarities with Matthew 10 here is the focus not um, on whether the workers who've gone out, the brothers, the friends, have given a compelling enough gospel presentation or presentation of their financial needs. It's not actually about their skill in asking and expressing their needs. The focus here is actually on whether Gaius and his church uh, are going to send them on in a manner worthy of God. Like, what would it look like to send them on in a manner worthy of God? It's providing for all of their needs. It's not making them feel guilty for asking or for expressing their needs. It's not making them feel awkward for having material needs. Mm. They're humans. Of course they've got needs. Um, and, uh, yeah, just that that we ought to support them, um, I the emphasis is on whether the churches are going to support and respond in the way that they ought to, not on the skill mm. of the gospel worker in presenting the, the pitch. Yes, yes. It's those who are sent out and those who are sending them are working together in for the truth, co-workers, mm. partnership. Um, yeah, and it's it's just elevating that sending role um, of partnership, uh, financially, practically, as you said, like man are worthy of, of God, of honoring God. Like imagine if Jesus showed up and, you know, I think it, the author of Hebrews talks about entertaining angels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a similar idea of hospitality and welcoming the stranger, but how much more those who we love and we know and we value their ministry, we really are obligated to support them financially and partner with them mm. through prayer and other means, mm. yeah, whatever it takes. Yeah. And I just wanted to note as well that um, in both letters, John talks about how he could use letter, uh, pen and ink to write, um, and yet he yes. really wants to see them face-to-face. Uh, hope to see you soon mm. and we'll talk together face-to-face. And fa- face. I'd rather not use 
paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk to face to face. And I just think there's something in our partnership work. There is many other technologies and ways of connecting and we've got lots to say and that's good. But just to be keep remembering mm. face to face, there's just something about the fellowship that we share and the way we communicate just that we, uh, there's a good priority on that here, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'd love to just finish up by thinking briefly about how this applies for us and for our students and graduates and for our partners. Um, mm. And so I think the call for, for people who are raising their own support here, I think is just keep being encouraged that what you're doing is a good thing. And even if people are strangers to you at the moment, they're not strangers to Jesus. You're all working for the sake of Christ and in his name. Um, and to be able to take, to feel some of that freedom, that it it's not only about have you presented the ask winsomely enough. There's, there's actually more going on than just that, to feel a freedom, but also to genuinely value your partners as co-workers. Mm. It's not just a pat phrase like, oh, we really need you in this ministry, you're our co-worker. They genuinely are participating in some spiritual way when they contribute materially to the work, yes. which I think is... a says something about how we should value them and keep them informed and to love them then. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. In terms of our students and our graduates, I think it is much easier to help people understand the obligation to give when you're not currently asking them to give to you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That is much easier if they already have that theological framework. And I think it is an important theological framework in the New Testament Um, And so if we are teaching our students about that before they're graduates, before they've got money, before we're Mm. talking about whether they support us, before they're thinking about whether they support others, that is just going to serve God's church, I think, um, and help them to live more faithfully into this image of what the church should look like. That's right. I think even now for our current students, um, thinking about practical ways, and it doesn't have to be financial, it could be introductions with their churches or um, having letters written that talk about the ministry of um, the work on campus and introducing to ministers and individuals and partners. So, yeah, Mm. starting early is very good. Yeah. And I'm so struck that if we want to double the number of missionaries that we're sending, which is our hope and prayer, mm. we are going to need to double the number of senders as well and the people who are the propempo people yes. who are with them and who are going to yes. send them. Um, and so to keep helping our students to have that mindset so that we don't end up re- raising up all of these mission workers who have no resources and struggle with resources. So good for us to keep thinking about. Yes. Um Absolutely. And then I think for our partners, just really understanding that um, they don't need to give to us, but they need to be giving to someone and they need to be supporting Mm. the gospel workers whom God has um, put around them um, and in their networks and in in the fellowship. Um, There's a really strong call. We ought to support people like this Mm. so that we can become co-workers with the truth and to do so out of love and with great joy to make sure we're doing it in a manner worthy of God um, yeah, which probably has all kinds of um, things tied up in it about doing it prayerfully and um, generously and willingly, mm. joyfully. Um, yeah. 
Do you want to tell us just, Phil, a tiny bit about how you've used this passage at supporter events? Yeah. As you introduced this passage, um, it's quite often that most people haven't come to this little letter or have overlooked uh, this letter. It's one of the shortest ones in the New Testament, of course. Um, But I find it absolutely wonderful to preach from it at partnership events and just highlighting the fact, all these wonderful truths that we've been highlighting and looking at today. Um, Yeah, and it really lands in that verse 8 there, that we, John the Elder, um, Gaius, everyone, all of us, all believers, ought to show hospitality, um, practical support that we might work together for the truth. And it's just, I think, it a wonderful passage to open people's eyes to the fact that, as you said, Kat, this ministry is for all of us and it's a very practical way of showing love. Um, it's, yeah, so I've, I've used it as supporters. I've used it with individuals as well. And actually I used it at my church just recently as part of the wider discussion about global missions and that even partnering with uh, mission workers around the world, mission partners, uh, at an individual level, not just at the church level. Yeah, so mm. yeah, I use it quite a bit, actually. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, that's about what we've got time for today. Phil, are you happy to close in prayer? Absolutely. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for um, this wonderful letter that we have. Um, we thank you for... Uh, the message that's recorded for us, highlighting the fact that we, um, as recipients of your word, can show our faithfulness to the truth and show our faithfulness to fellow brothers and sisters that go out uh, for the sake of Jesus, the name above all names, those who are mission workers and partners, those are sent to the campus and various itinerant ministries. We pray, Father, that all of us um, might show practical, pragmatic love, uh, financial uh, support, hospitality, that together we might work together for the truth, the wonderful glory that Jesus, the name above all names, is to be known to all people. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks heaps, Phil, and thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you've been encouraged and bye for now.